0: Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com/slash CyberWire. We've got an update on the Martin NSA contractor case. Fileless malware hits banks worldwide. It's been an active week for the cyber sector in mergers, acquisitions, and venture funding. There's a new industry consortium for IoT security, and an autonomous vehicle consortium issues a manifesto for cooperation. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, February 9th, 2017. A U.S. federal grand jury yesterday released its indictment of former NSA contractor Harold Martin. He faces 20 counts of stealing classified information, one count for each document named in the indictment. Classified information he apparently hoarded at his home in Glen Burnie, Maryland, a Baltimore suburb not far from NSA headquarters at Fort Meade. Charged under the Espionage Act, but not charged with espionage, Martin is alleged to have had some 50 terabytes of information in his possession. That characterization might suggest that all the stealing was digital exfiltration, but he's also reported to have carried home large quantities of paper records, including handwritten notes, that were also highly classified. The agencies alleged to have been affected by his activities include the National Security Agency, U.S. Cyber Command, the Department of Defense, the National Reconnaissance Office, and the Central Intelligence Agency. The material taken, insofar as prosecutors have characterized it, sounds like a magpie's collection of stuff that should never have left the confines of Fort Meade, including everything from NRO space launch information to the identities of covert operatives. With that said, the indictment doesn't claim that he transferred the information to any third parties, especially to any foreign intelligence agencies. This would seem to account for why, although he was indicted under the Espionage Act, Martin wasn't charged with espionage proper. Each of the counts of the indictment carries a potential sentence of 10 years, which is where the widely reported 200-year sentence comes from. Martin's attorneys haven't made new public comments since the indictment was opened, but after his arrest late last year, they indicated that they intended to defend him as a well-intentioned, if misguided, pack rat. 50 terabytes is a pretty big pack. Mr. Martin will appear before a federal magistrate judge here in Baltimore next Tuesday. A wave of fileless malware is reported to have infected more than 140 banks in 40 countries. A bank security team noticed suspicious code inside a domain controller's physical memory, which aroused their suspicions and sought help. Kaspersky researchers investigated and found PowerShell scripts within Windows registries. The attackers, apparently criminals, not state actors, extracted privileged credentials with the goal of compromising systems that control ATMs. Fileless attacks, which embed their code in legitimate tools already present in the victim's environment, are notably more difficult to detect than more traditional malware infestations. Such attacks have characterized other high-profile attacks, but have been beyond the reach of more ordinary criminals. The widespread fileless infestation banks are now coping with may suggest that this particular criminal technique is on its way to commodification. Online privacy is an ongoing concern affecting consumers, businesses, and the government. Travis Howe is chief information security officer with Conga, a company that provides a suite of applications that work with Salesforce. We checked in with him for his take on privacy.
1: We're just now at the bottom of a large curve as to what's ahead. I mean, we have the accumulation of, you know, from a citizen perspective, you know, all the information... That Google and the Yahoo's, you know, collect and sell and resell and market, the inf- public information on social media, IoT, obviously, is a huge component. But if you take all this data that we talk about, you know, you, you can literally create a map of a person's life.
0: For those of us who are in the cybersecurity business, you know, what, what kind of responsibility do you think we have for you know, taking a lead on this stuff? You know, protecting people who maybe don't know to protect themselves.
1: Awareness. We're coming a time now where people are taking attention to it, but they don't really understand what it all means and what the ramification is. So I think it's really about getting that message out there so that they can understand what they're signing up for and, and you know, what they're sharing.
0: Do you think with this, with the uh, the new administration coming in, the Trump administration, is that a bit of an of an inflection point when it comes to this sort of thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, most definitely. I mean, I think that it's pretty clear that there's a desire to enhance the the security of the country. What that means in reflection, you know, goes back to the encryption component for the most part and and monitoring and everything that was a fallout of Snowden. And the challenge that the government has moving forward post-Snowden is something that's difficult to get back, and that's trust. So I think it's going to be a significantly debated topic with the new administration. I I, I hope we come up with a good solution that doesn't dictate lowering encryption standards or having backdoors and the impact that that would have to to business and, and privacy as a whole for everything that's not related to what they're looking for. So I think and hope that again the new administration gets the right people in place to you know really understand what that bigger picture and longer term picture looks like and not just specifically focus on you know the in my in my point of view the scapegoat of encryption
0: that's Travis Howe he's the chief information security officer with Conga. there's more industry news this week in a cloud security and data leakage prevention play Forcepoint has acquired Imperva's SkyFence business Accenture has moved further into the U.S. government cyber market with its acquisition of privately held Endgame's federal business. The Endgame unit, which specializes in proactive cyber defense, hunt-as-a-service capabilities, red-teaming and cyber operations, will be folded into Accenture Federal Services. Shares of U.K.-based Sophos have surged following its announcement earlier this week that it would be acquiring Invincia. Investors seem to like the acquisition's promise of growth in the U.S. government, healthcare, and financial sectors. Bug Bounty Shop Hacker One has ridden its successful entry into U.S. Department of Defense business to a $40 million Series C round, and Exabeam, specialists in security intelligence, has also attracted a large Series C round, $30 million, from investors led by Cisco Investments and Lightspeed Venture Partners. The investors see Exabeam as a Splunk challenger. Trident Venture Capital Cybersecurity, one of the largest VC firms in the space, announced yesterday that it had raised $300 million to invest in cyber startups. The amount is regarded by analysts as indicative of continuing private equity interest in the sector. Looking for a common theme in recent M&A and VC activity, Light Reading thinks it sees one, machine learning. But the Internet of Things isn't being neglected either. AT&T, IBM, Nokia, Palo Alto Networks, Symantec, and Trustonic have formed the IoT Cybersecurity Alliance, which is expected to work on end-to-end security for the IoT. Another consortium, FASTER, for the future of automotive security technology research, has issued a manifesto intended to goad the industry into cooperation on autonomous vehicle safety systems. FASTER's members include Intel, Uber, and IoT shop Eris. And to close out our discussion of the IoT, we return to the story we mentioned the other day, in which a teenager who goes by the nom de hack Stack Overflowin hacked, vigilante-style, insecure printers to scare their users straight. Motherboard has reached him. He's surprisingly forthcoming. His motivation? It was like this. He said, quote, It was just a night I was bored, to be honest, doing random stuff. We bowed our eyes. instead of stuff he used a demonic coprology, but of course, we're a family show here. If you're bored with random stuff, by the way, why not get interested in cybersecurity and space? And we mean cyberspace meets outer space. And check out the Cosmic AES Signals and Space Monthly Cybersecurity Briefing. You'll find it at cosmicaes.com/newsletter. Enjoy. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Uh, Joe, we both have kids. And uh, when you have kids at home, part of what you have to do is uh, look out for their security when it comes to cyber stuff. Right. Um, And, you know, accidentally or or on purpose or whatever, sometimes it's a good idea to kind of uh, lock down what they can access on the computer. I'm thinking specifically of uh, adult content. Correct, yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, I I don't know what you're doing at our house. We found uh, a really uh, useful free service called OpenDNS. OpenDNS.
2: And there's a number of services like this. But what they do is they all uh, intercept what's called uh, DNS, which is Dynamic Name System. And the way DNS works is when you and I uh, are are humans, right? Mm -hmm. At least I think we are. (laughs) Last
0: time I checked. uh,
2: For example, if you want to go to Google, before your web browser can actually request that page from Google. It needs to know the IP address that will be handling the request. So it has to go through a process called domain name resolution. And that's handled by DNS servers,
0: right? And that's normally it's, handled by your your provider, right? Like, it's normally handled
2: by your provider. You can also you can also set. There's there's free and open DNS services out there. Google actually offers one,
0: right? So, like for example, with Open DNS, which uh, re, you know got uh, bought by Cisco, they're part of Cisco now, right? Um, what I like about it is it's just kind of a set it and forget it sort of thing. It's pre configured to block. Uh, adult content. Correct. You just point your DNS server to them, and
2: what what they have is they have a a a blacklist of sites that generally people don't want their kids going to. Right. So now when I go into my web browser and I type in some site that kids shouldn't be going to the very first thing that happens still is a domain name resolution process but when my domain name server sees that i've requested a site that's on the blacklist it goes no you can't go to that site and that's the end of the transaction that the web browser can't now request the web page because it doesn't know where what the ip address of the of the of the server that holds the page
0: And I also, I mean, this is a good idea in general, I think, uh, for small businesses or businesses in general. And, of course, there are premium versions of it. But uh, I will tell you that I found out the hard way once uh, sitting with a client Uh uh, in in an edit suite where – I uh, went to go to look up something on YouTube, and I inadvertently left the Y out uh. of the word YouTube. <laughs> oh yes! And as many of these sites do, they they uh, they get the the words the you know where you mash they get the, the common
2: typos. Yeah, they get
0: the common typo, and boy, it was not YouTube. And here I, I was sitting in front of a client, and the things that came up on my <laughs> computer screen. We're not flattering. I
2: had the exact same ha- thing happen to me with my boss standing right behind me. I was showing him this cool site I just found that I I, I mistyped a, a U where I should have hit an I in a domain name, and my my monitor just exploded in <laughs> porn. It was great. Right. He just turned around. He understood that I mistyped it, and he turned around, and walked away. Fortunately. I, this was back in the days before monitoring, but I would have had to answer some questions now if I did that.
0: Yeah, it happens to the best of us. So, right. uh, you know, this sort of service is a way to kind of, uh, kind of protect yourself from it, maybe uh, make it less likely to happen. Yes. All right, Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Dave. Our lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program with the largest network of trust centers.